You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hello, welcome to another edition of Club Shay Shay. I am your host, Shannon Sharp, also the proprietor of Club Shay Shay. The guy that's coming by today for drinks and conversation is one of the most swaggalicious guys in all the NFL. He's definitely the most swaggalicious tight end. He's a Super Bowl champ, six-time Pro Bowl, two-time first-team All-Pro, and he has five consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons. The great Travis Kelly. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why All my life, I've been grinding all my life, look All my life, been grinding all my life Sacrifice, hustle pay the price Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why All my life, I've been grinding all my life Nephew, what's going on? Oh, what's going on, Shannon, man? It's a, it's a pleasure, I told you right before, man It's a pleasure to be on here, man You were, You're one of the goats that, that, that laid out this uh, platform of success for a young tight end like myself to come through on and uh, I appreciate you deeply for it, man. I mean, I really appreciate you coming on. I know it was kind of last minute. We kind of threw this thing together. I reached out to you and asked you, could you do it? You say, hey, bro, no problem. Hey, let me get back to you. And within a day, here we are doing this interview. First of all, I want to congratulate you, congratulate you on a great regular season. At the start of your season, tell me what are your thought process? What are your goals? How do you go about laying out this is what I want to accomplish in a given season. Well, I think uh, the, the biggest thing about setting goals is uh, you have to review. You have to you have to study yourself. You have to figure okay. out how do I get better. How do where at where at what point in my game can I have more success to help the team out? And uh, the biggest thing for me was I had I had way too many drops. Um, I had way too many uh, routes that I did not get open on, which I feel that I could have gotten open on. So that's helping out Pat. That's helping out the offense move the ball down the field. Um, in terms of first downs, I wanted to do more more in terms of that and then touchdowns. I wanted to put more touchdowns up. I thought um, anything in single digits just isn't enough. I'm not doing enough for my team. So individually, uh, you set, you set you know, goals for yourself uh, statistically. But at the end of the day, I mean, winning every single game was the, was the biggest thing on my mind. I, I felt like our team was good enough uh, offensively, defensively, and special teams-wise to, to go out there and, uh, and win every single game. And so far, we're, we're very close to that, but uh, we're, uh, we're working for uh, the number one goal, which is to get another Super Bowl, man. When, when, when I hear you talking, you say about drops, and I've always looked at guys, guys that catch a lot of passes, that are a great run after the catch, they're going to have drops because they're always looking to make that big play. And you consider yourself not only just a typical tight end, you are a big play. I'm going to need 100 yards. I need touchdowns to get down the field. And sometimes... You have to take your eye off the ball. You're like, okay, I got this, and turn and try to locate that defender as soon as possible. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, you know, it's, it's all focus. And then what comes with that is understanding and being aware of the things around you. So knowing what coverage it is, knowing where your hit is coming from, knowing right. the creases when you get the ball to be able to split defenders and get north. Uh, little stuff like that is being more aware so you can focus on the football, you know, and, uh, and, and put in the work with, uh, with the quarterbacks to make sure that you guys are on the same pages uh, in terms of what they like to see or where they like to see you fill the voids. Uh, depending on what the defense is presenting. So it's just uh, making sure you're on – it's a team game, right? So right. You stop trying to either help pull defenders to help guys get open or at the same time uh, be able to get the ball north as fast as possible. But I think uh, having uh, – drops in themselves are inexcusable. All it is is just lack of focus. And uh, over the course of my career, I've really um, tried to hone in on, on, on staying focused throughout the course of the game and not letting the game uh, become too much. Trav, there have been several tight ends to have a hundred catch seasons in a in a have a hundred catch in a season. You're the only tight end that's ever done it twice, and to do it coming off a Super Bowl when a lot of times people have what they call a Super Bowl hangover. How are you able to stay focused and like, okay, yes, I want a Super Bowl. Yes, my team won a Super Bowl, but I can come back and I can be better, even better than last year, and help this team repeat. Well, I like to think of it as uh, what do. What are you trying to be? Are, are, are you always chasing greatness? You know, and when, and when does greatness stop? It never stops. So as long as I'm putting on these pads, I'm finding a way to get better and better every single year. Um, with that being said, I, I, I'm in an extremely fortunate situation. I'm sure you turned on the film and you watched the film and you, you know, might have wished you had the opportunities that I was getting. I mean, it, it is what it is. I'm getting the ball thrown to me like I am a wide receiver. And I, and I understand tight ends don't get that across the league. And uh, it took a lot of um, a lot of guys um, before my time. Yourself, Tony Gonzalez. Um, the list goes on. I mean, I, the list goes on. But it took guys like that to gain the trust for coaches to be able to implement a guy like me in their game plan um, and, and be able to get me the ball as much as possible like that. And I, um, I'm very fortunate to to be able to have Coach Reed, and then on top of that, one five is back there, uh, slicing up the defense any way he can and uh, taking advantage of matchups. So. Um, nonstop just trying to make sure that I'm there for my teammates and always chasing greatness. Trev, when I look at your stats, um, like I said, you have five consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons, over 1,400 yards receiving season in a given year, two uh, years in which you caught for uh, 100 receptions. When I first got into the league, that was reserved for the elite, elite wide receivers, uh, the Jerry Rices, my brother, Chris Carters. Uh, there are very few receivers that could put up those numbers that you're putting up as a tight end. Do you understand what you're doing and how special it actually is? I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, honestly, I'm just appreciative of the opportunity, and I just go to work every single day thankful for, for, for the opportunity that I have to play this position in this offense and get this much trust from the coaches, from the, from the offensive personnel. Um, to be able to, you know, have that success for the team. I, 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 I see I'm, – I'm not blind. I see what's going on across the NFL and what uh, history has told us. And um, the tight end position has been very um, – it's been put in a bubble for a long, long time. And I feel mm -hmm. like uh, it is such a mismatch all over the field if used correctly um, and, if, and if the tight end has enough pride to take uh, his, his, his um, ownership and his craft. That is knowing the entire offense, having the responsibility of doing that, making sure you're on time and, and prompt for your other teammates. 
um, I'm definitely thankful that I, that I get this opportunity every single day to uh, put up these numbers, man. You, when I look at the evolution of the tight end position, the guys are getting bigger. Um, dude, I played basically my whole career at about 225, 228. You guys. <laughs> no way you are out there with the guys at 220. I was too, uh, that, uh, most of my career, I played between 225 and 228. My, when they first moved me to tight end, I weighed 212. <laughs> they were ragdolling me, bro. They were ragdolling me. I had to get in the weight room and start pumping some iron. But when I look at the evolution of the tight end, the guys have gotten more angular, 6'5", 6'6", 245 to 265. Uh, as a po- and you guys are not really the receivers. You guys, they're like basketball players. You guys are like a, a, a power forward or a small forward. Talk about what your ability at being six, five and a half, two fifty five. Um, I'll say this: I was always, I was always tall and lanky. And then when I got to when I got to college, I really put on the weight. Um, okay, and it was it was it was definitely party weight. It wasn't. It wasn't- <laughs> lot of keg weight. Uh, it, was, it wasn't a weight room weight. Uh, it wasn't that weight room weight. It was one of those, you, you got the body taking a picture of the body in the weight room and you can tell I ain't been in the weight room too much. Uh, yeah, so so moving to tight end, obviously you find out real soon that you got to get in the weight room. You have to be able to protect the shoulders. You have to be able to uh, get the leg strength to be able to drive block somebody, not just once, but when it's played 15 uh, down on the goal line. You right. have to be able to train yourself to be able to do stuff mentally and go beyond. And uh, that's where I really found a love for this game because um, growing up, and you can see it in the way I play, basketball is my favorite sport. Right. Uh, you could throw in hockey and stuff like that when I was a kid. But one, when I really started taking sports seriously in high school, basketball took over everything. And um, I was I was one of those, like you just said, that small forward, power forward. If I had a bigger guy, I'd take him out of the wing. If I had a smaller guy, I'd take him down into the post. And, and that's exactly what I did onto the football field. If I had a smaller guy, um, I've been fortunate enough to, to Coach Reed has kind of given me and placed me in these opportunities. If I got a smaller guy, kind of play more of a big body kind of role. And if I got a bigger guy, use my speed and my agility and my wiggle to, to be able to maneuver around him. And um, if you, when you see my routes, it's almost like I got a basketball in my hand. Now, right. don't wrong, I, my handles were suspect. That's why, I, that's why I'm on the football field. <laughs> handles were suspect. But I always had the ability to, to make plays, see the floor, and I think uh, that that helped out tremendously. Um, being in the quarterback room my first couple of years of college helped out tremendously understanding what the quarterback was thinking so I could be on the same page as him. Timing, uh, when the ball needs to be out, in terms of leverages, what, what guys are doing uh, defensively in terms of how they're playing their leverage. And uh, really just seeing the field instead of just being in this lane of running a paper route. You know, and uh, from there, I've just been able to have success with it and just keep going up and up. I always tell guys uh, coming into the coming into the league or young guys playing tight end, um, be an artist. Yeah, there's there there on on paper, you're gonna have a a, a certain route. You're gonna have a slant. You're gonna have a, a, a corner route. Be an artist, though. The quarterback creativity. Creativity. You have to be able to be an artist out there and paint that picture for the quarterback. As long as you're on time and where you need to be, you how you go about that is all right. up to you. And that's where you really, uh, your athleticism takes shape and, and that's your identity. 
And um, and man, I can't I can't tell you how much that's helped me out in terms of being a, being a tight end because there's times where I'll, I'll leave a game and a guy will come up to me and say, "Listen, man, the whole game I didn't know which way you were going." Right. Was, that's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to manipulate your mind right. to think that I'm doing something else all the time. So it keeps the defense at a reactionary position. You played, you say, for the better part of your career growing up, you were a college quarterback. And but for you to transition to tight end. Now I did play one year, I played tight end, uh one year of high school, played tight end, one year of college. So it was really a natural transition for me to go from a big wide receiver down to the tight end position. But for your mindset to be a quarterback, quarterback in the glamour position, you got your little jersey tucked in, you got your little towel, you know, you pretty, you know, you looking all good, everybody. To change your mindset to know, I got to get grimy. I got Tim's on now. Ain't no more nice sneaks on out here. I got to get grimy because I might have to block 30 times a game, but also I got to have the ballet, the, the ballet to be able to catch 10, 15 balls if I need to. Tell me about the transition that you had to go through. Well, it's, it's definitely a different mindset. And, the, and the, reason, the biggest reason why I think I made the transition so uh, comfortably is because I, I owned it. I didn't, I didn't go to that position. I see a lot of guys transition to that position and think to themselves, I'm still really a wide They hell been on playing on position. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they, they see, oh, I'm moving a tight end because they think I can't run routes. No, your body type is just that much more uh, suited for this position. Correct. Athleticism that much more suited for this position, and guys, guys don't just attack it. Well, me personally, I knew I wasn't a quarterback. I, I wasn't the guy that was gonna, you know, <laughs> put on the, the the suit and tie and keep a clean cut. I was the I was the rebel, right? So and right. it is what it is. I've, I've learned a lot through being that guy, and I and I've become a lot more mature uh, throughout my career and throughout my life because I, I've understood that that I was that guy, but. Um, transitioning into the tight end room, I, I grew up playing hockey. I grew up playing lacrosse, all these physical sports. I was a little brother, so I was getting beat up on by guys that were two years older than me and everything that I did. I had that that ability to be able to get knocked down and feel comfortable with, oh, I can get back up and still and still do my job. And um, when you transition, you're gonna have you're gonna have failure. You're gonna have that failure. You just you don't know what you don't know. You right. Know, I didn't know that, you know, going into a block in terms of hat placement, I didn't, had no idea what heading hands and driving your feet, and, uh, you know, getting on the track. I, did, I didn't understand any of this. Right. Transitioning into this, when, when I'm being taught this, it's all starting to make sense. Right. And as I got in the weight room, I was able to, to stay on my blocks, be able to have success within the fundamentals that I was being taught. And, um, and it just skyrocketed from there. But the transition into tight end, um, transition into anything in life, you have to be aware that you're going to hit adversity. Right. He's going to set in because it's it's the battle of the unknown. You just don't know that you don't know these things. And you right. have to go through something to be able to figure them out. And uh, and honestly, I, I fell in love with that. I fell in love with the grind. I fell in love with the ability to persevere through, you know, screwing up something at one point in time and then coming back the next play and having success, knowing that, you know, this is what happened last time. This is what I have to do this time. It sounds like to me, your attitude played a huge part in you being able to transition as smooth and as effortlessly as you did. Because I remember when Dan Reeves, they asked me to transition from a big wide receiver to tight end. The only thing I asked him, am I going to get an opportunity to play? Because at that time I was barely playing like five or six snaps on offense. I was mainly a special teams player. But the hardest part was not being able to, be, to, to see success instantly. 
guys were just throwing me around, you know, trying to get off blocks. I'm like, man, all this space, you try to move, they shove you down into the offensive tackle, you run into the defensive lineman. So it's like, man, am I ever going to be good at this? And then all of a sudden, you just keep working, you get better and better. You get better and better. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I could be a wide receiver out there catching 10 passes, 20 passes a year, or I could be a tight end down here catching six, 70, 80 balls a year. Yeah, I think I like this one a little better. <laughs> what you did was you found success in the routine that you were having. So whether the routine was practice every single day or getting in the weight room, being able to, you know, lift weights and get stronger so you can take on these D linemen or these mm -hmm. linebackers. And, and, and that's the biggest thing is, is finding and trusting that routine of success. I was coming yep. in. I was going to practice once I moved to tight end. I was going to practice 10 minutes early just to get my head and hands on somebody, just just to get that that feeling of drive blocking, rolling the hips and lifting somebody. Yep. Those little things over the course of time become so routine that it just it, it's natural on the field. And when you have your fundamentals so natural that uh, you don't have to think about them, that's when you can really, really take advantage mentally of what's going on, on out there on the field. And uh, as you know, this game is ninety percent mental. It really, it really is an understanding down and distance area of the field, and that's what I tell guys. I'm like, guy, how do you get beat inside? You know, it's third and one. You know, it's fourth and one. You know, he's gonna try and cross your face. Don't let him into you. Don't let him cross your face. I'm listening. You know, we're out here to manipulate, man. I'm, I'm out here playing tricks. <laughs> Every tight end, if you go back through through errors, all the tight ends had another guy that was very comparable to them. Um, we go back to the, you know, 60s, you got Mackie and Dicker. You come to the 70s and 80s, you got Kellen Winslow and Ozzie Newsom, myself, Ben Coates, Gonzo, and then it was Gonzo, Witten, and um, Antonio Gates. Uh, then it was Gronk and you and Kittle. You and Kittle have a very interesting relationship. You broke the record, and then he comes later in the day, he re-breaks it. Now you take it back. You guys have been going back and forth, back and forth. Talk to me about your relationship with Kittle. Man, he's uh, he's unbelievable, man. Unbelievable guy on the field, off the field. Can't say enough good things about him. Uh, and then especially what he can do with the football in his hands. I think that, I mean, obviously his blocking is second to nobody that right. I've ever seen play the position. But on top of on top of that, when he gets the ball, man, he turns into like the Tasmanian devil, man. <laughs> he just he's a, It's like he's a maniac, an uncontrolled maniac. And uh, and it's just – it's awesome to see see him grow throughout the league, uh, knowing that he was a fifth-round pick, a guy that really had to work for his way uh, to and, and gain the trust of his coaches and, and his team. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just think that as, as a tight end kind of – union that we have man showing love to to fellow tight ends and being being excited for their success man it only helps out uh guys in the other positions around the league and uh right now what a5 is doing in san fran is uh is, is setting up uh these these up-and-coming guys that don't even know uh that, that that he's laying out the the groundwork for them um and, and we just keep raising the bar you know right. how it goes. you just keep raising the bar. You see what a guy across from you is doing, and, and it's it's a competitive world. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm I'm somebody you won't see me getting anything conflicting outside of football. But once it comes to being competitive, man, I'm I'm going to compete my tail off, and I'm going to be in your grill the whole game. You talk about the um, your relationships. You got Patrick Mahomes, who has a 99 uh, rating in Madden. You have a 99 rating in Madden. You're the only you're the only team to have two guys on one team with 99 rating. And Tyreek, 
has a 98 rating. Talk about your relationship. Earlier. He should have been 99 before the year started, man. That guy, <laughs> he's the most unstoppable player in the National Football League. If you don't have two guys on him on every pass concept, it, it's liable to be a touchdown. And I'm not just – I'm talking about one of those daggers that, that you know what I mean, those 60-yard, 70-yard bombs that just take the wind out of you. Um, and, and what he can do all – I mean, the most dynamic football player I've ever seen, you're talking about track speed, there's been plenty of guys that have ran four twos in the National Football League. But this guy, what he can do with the ball in his hands outside of just his speed, be able to, to hit somebody with a hesitation and, and hit the sideline, being able to route, route, route up a cornerback who, who has to – they have to, have to take off the top of the defense. They have to play deep. Uh, for him to be able to understand how teams are playing him and mentally uh, still get open and still have the success he's doing, man, um, I don't think that guy gets enough credit, man. He should have been 99 before it's all. When I watch him, I look at a guy that came in mainly as a return specialist, and he relied solely on speed. He didn't understand how to set guys up. He didn't understand – how to run routes and one thing led to another. Now I watch a guy that can run the route tree, that can sit you up, that can put you in a situation. Oh, you think I'm trying to run deep? Okay, I'm stopping right here. Throw it to me. Now I face you up. I've never seen a guy accelerate like him. And I've been around some guys that run 4-3, run a, a sub 4-3, but I've never seen a guy accelerate. I'm talking about from, from a dead standstill position to he's 100, 100 miles an hour. I've never seen anything like it. Man, I'm telling you, it makes you and it and it never gets old. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, it, it it blows my mind every single time I see it happen. Uh, the last time it happened was in Miami. He gave a corner, he got a little jet sweep because you know, get him on the perimeter, right? Yes. So he got a jet sweep, split split two defenders, and then had a one guy had an angle on him, and I tell you, he smoked that angle within a half a second, and the guy had no chance, and then just went up the sideline for a touchdown. It amazes you every single time. And his development into being, you know, the best wide receiver in the National Football League, every single game, the accountability he puts on himself, he's really creating his own new route tree because of how fast he is. Most of his routes are 20 yards downfield. When I tell you, if I, if, if I get 20 yards downfield, that ball better be out now. Because it <laughs> takes too long to get, that, get to 20 yards. Pat doesn't have that much time. Tyreek, Tyreek... He just takes he takes four or five moves twenty yards downfield. Now I mean you just can't cover that. And uh, I mean the stress he puts on the defense is second to none. Talk about your quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. You were there when he arrived. They trade up to get him with the tenth pick in the draft. They told they 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 moved heaven and earth. What were you thinking on draft night when Andy moves up seventeen spots to take Patrick Mahomes? What was going through your mind when you see him there? You like okay. When did you, and when did you know like this kid's special? I would say I was uh, I, I, I I was just reading uh, Tyreek Hill said <laughs> let the cat out the bag and said oh we all thought he was trash. When I tell you that he that never went across my mind that he was trash. Tyreek was just messing with him, but <laughs> you could tell the moment he walked in the room how personable he was, how his energy. Um, you know, how excited he was to just be in the building. You could tell right then and there that that guy was special. I didn't know necessarily how great of an arm he had. You know, everyone talked about how far he could throw it at Texas Tech and this and that. But seeing him develop uh, from just a gunslinger, I mean, his first year, his first true year in the league, which was, which was his second year, his first true year in the league, 
seeing him develop from just a natural gunslinger to being able to create a routine of success. Well, I think watching film, he watches film before, before he was even in the league. He's watching film of, of certain teams and certain defenses. And he's got these notebooks that, that just get packed with what looks like chicken scratch, but it's like it's like deciphering a code to him. You know what I mean? It's, it's all his it's all his lettering, all his wording, but it all makes sense to him. Right. But he does this week in, week out, and just keeps getting better and better and better and better. Um, to be able to sit behind Alex, I think that helped him out a lot. But um, I also think that he was going to have success no matter where he went. Man, the guy's determination. Um, his ability to just feel comfortable out there and uh, and be able to sling the rock however he feels is necessary. Um, man, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to work with him uh, and and see him grow into the best player in the National Football League. Man. Well, I knew it was special when you when they when you guys rested Alex in Week 17 and you went to Denver and it was cold and he threw for like three he threw for like three touchdowns. I say this dude can play. Oh yeah, yeah like no no this dude this dude can play. And it was, it was uh, you know, you get those uh, those Texas Tech gunslingers, man. They only know how to throw it in 100-degree heat. Right. And it was ice cold. You know how it, it was very was cold, yes. Late December, early January. I mean, I'm talking about 10 degrees was as hot as it got. And it was, it was, it, it was ice on the field. So for him to go out there and still be able to sling it um, the way he did, man, the, with the confidence that he had, uh, it was definitely special, but uh, there, there were there were throws throughout the year that I saw on scout team that and the stuff that he was doing. Where I was like, "Listen, man, this guy's this guy's got it." I don't know, yeah. I don't know how this offense is going to change when he takes when he takes the lead or when he when he takes over the huddle, but uh, he's got it, man. Andy does a guy, and I've known Andy. Andy was my brother's offensive coordinator when he was in Green Bay, yeah. and so uh, he's very imaginative, and he's going to get his playmakers the football. He, you mentioned something about how he tries to go about and tries to find a mismatch. And when he finds it, he's going to take advantage of it. You go back to Tampa, well, they were going to single Tyreek, and he's like, okay, I'm going to make you double Tyreek. And then you look at the next two weeks, you have back-to-back, -back, I think, if I'm not mistaken, eight catches, 132, 136 yards. So going to the mind of Andy, what, what, is it, what is it like playing for Andy? First off, it's an absolute blast, man. You want to talk about a personable guy, the ultimate leader. I mean, yeah. you know how, you know very how, personable. Exactly. You know how 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 many different personalities you have in an NFL locker room, man. It's, yes. There's so many different different people from different walks of life. You have to be able to relate to all of these types of people. As a, as a as a grown man in the NFL, you have to be able to. As a head coach in the NFL, you have to be able to relate to all these grown men. Right. And that's what Coach Reed does is he does an unbelievable job of, of uh, fueling guys with trust that this process works. Uh, with On top of that, being able to um, have the discipline to be able to talk to a guy as a man and tell him you need to work a little harder, you need to do this, you need to do that, get that respect out of somebody. And uh, Coach Reed does it like nobody else, man. He tells everybody, let your personality show, but no, we're going to go to work. And, uh, and, and ever since I got into the league, man, I've just been like a fly on the wall. Every, every single thing that he's taught in the offensive room, I've listened to, whether it's to the running backs, to the quarterback, to the offensive line, to the wide receivers, or to other tight ends. I've listened to every single thing that he has to say, and his overall knowledge of the game is second to none, man. And uh, I've, I've learned just so much just by listening to, to him talk to everybody that I, I've literally given him no reason to put me anywhere on the field. 
And uh, and with that, I mean, if you get everybody with that kind of mentality, and you, it, it just makes it that much harder on the defense. Zero indicators for the defense to be able to say that I'm, that I'm running a certain route or that somebody else is running a certain route. It just opens everything up. I'm watching him call plays, and he'll try anything, anywhere. You try to throw a pass, he's letting Sammy Watkins throw a pass. Uh, uh, your, your, your completion percentage is not very good. Uh, Sammy Watkins got it. Our skill set, our skill position on the offense, I think we got like three or four picks as, as an offense, as, as a skill player. So I don't know if you'll be seeing us pass the ball anytime I'm just waiting on Tyreek not to make it complete to let Tyreek throw one, and then, I, then, it, then, it'll be, then it'll be done with the wide receivers and tight end throwing passes. You already know. We only got one more opportunity until it's a, everything's botched. But that's Coach Reed. That's his personality, man. He likes to have fun and let guys, he likes the offense to be, um, be a whole lot of fun for everybody. And he's gonna he's gonna give guys uh, opportunities that they typically wouldn't have otherwise. What's Patrick Mahomes like in situations? Because you look at the last several weeks, you guys have needed to go down and get scores in order to win the game. What's his demeanor like normally, and what's his demeanor like in situations where you need a field goal or you need a touchdown in order to win this game? You can see it on his face, man. He just locks in to another degree. And it's not that he wasn't locked in before. He just, the the confidence that he has, and uh, I, I really think it, it all pays tribute to how much he, how much film he watches and how much he dissects the defense before going into a game. Because in the crucial moments, the moments where we need it the most, the moments where you need to focus the most and understand what's going on with the defense the most, Patrick Mahomes is always ready. And on top of that, the ball is always where it needs to be, and, and we always move the chains. And um, you can't say enough about that because because situational football, I mean, that's that's the nitty-gritty. That's when the fourth quarter, four minutes left in the game, down a score, maybe down two scores, what are we doing? What, are, what kind of mode are we in? We need a leader to be confident in what we're doing and how we're going about our business. And 1-5, I mean, second and none. He's always right on time, always – on, on point in terms of throwing the ball, in terms of what we're doing, in terms of blitz pickup, he just has everything, uh, everything figured out, man. And I think it, it all pays tribute to how much he works and how much mental acuity he really has. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. When I look at you guys, and you mentioned four-minute offense. Our four-minute offense, when I was in Denver in the West Coast system, it was two tight ends, two backs, and a wide receiver. You guys basically stay in your same, you stay in your same formation. Three wides, uh, 11 person, basically 11 personnel. And I'm like, wait a minute. And you look at Tampa on third down. He's like, I'm not running this football. I'm throwing it. You look at a couple of uh, last week. I'm not running this football. I'm throwing it. The confidence that Andy has in him, because even I've seen a lot of great quarterbacks when in the situation like that is 31, they're handing the football off. They're running the football. But Andy has the uh, the utmost confidence in that young man. 
to make plays, to, to absolutely make a play no matter what. If the first read isn't there, now it's get freaky time. We're yeah. out the we're out the pocket. We're doing we're doing whatever we got to do <laughs> this first down. That's what Pat calls it. He calls it it's time to get freaky. Because when Pat gets out the pocket, that's when our biggest plays happen. His ability to see the entire field, understand where to throw the ball, um, and the, and I mean you can't you can't not get excited for those moments. Right. But it goes back to to what we were saying about you know having as a quarterback having the ability mentally to to you know under pressure be able to know what to do and right. you have that moxie. Aaron Rodgers is another guy just swag that's out there walking around, got the swagger, got the got the confidence, and that just oozes out of both of them. And, and you know, and, and as a player, you just know that guy's going to be ready. So I, and so having having trust that that guy's going to be ready, I can go out here and just be myself. I don't have to do anything above or beyond uh, my capability because that guy is special right there, and he's going to make the play happen. You mentioned about how the play getting off script. That's what we call it, get off script. You call the play, it's not there. Now can you get off script and go make a play on your own? What makes him unique? There have been a lot of guys that can get outside of the pocket and maybe if they're rolling right, they can make a play going to their right. Or maybe they can make a play with their legs. But there have been very few guys that when getting off script can still throw the ball 50 yards over your head, rolling left or rolling right. I think I think a lot of it honestly uh, goes back to his days uh, playing middle infield or playing playing baseball. To be able to to open the hips, have the arm strength, uh, no matter where your hips or your shoulders are, are are whatever direction they're in. Because the the biggest plays you see him make are when he's rolling out right and he throws it all the way across the field, or he's rolling out left and throws it all the way across the field. The right. big no nos, the the don't throw it over the middle late. You know the all the no nos as a quarterback. He's throwing all those in the trash. He's like, right. oh, we can make that throw. That throw right. is, it's, is makeable for us. And uh, as a player, you just get excited off of that, man. You, I mean, I think a lot of it is, is to have the faith and the trust in your ability as a quarterback. And I mean, Pat, he, he works those throws all day, every day. In practice, you'll see him make those throws three or four times a week. And, and as a player, you just know that he's going to be able to, to make that play in the game. or He's going to be able to make that throw in the game. You just got to be ready for it. Can't let it surprise you. You grew up in Ohio with an older brother, Jason. When you guys were growing up, did it ever, did you guys ever talk about playing in the NFL? What were your dreams? What were your aspirations as growing up as two young boys in, in Ohio? Man, I, when I tell you, I had a very, very fortunate upbringing to be able to have uh, my brother, uh, two years older than me, um, kind of walk the walk the steps before I I was able to you know jump into it um, and see how he he conducted himself and see how much success he had and try to one up him. Um, it created a competitive aspect in the household, and it was never just oh we're going to go to the NFL or oh we're going to go to the MLB. Excuse me. It was always um, just whatever sport we wanted to play that day. So yeah, I, I, I was a very big, I remember when I was real young playing hockey and, and basketball, both winter sports, I would go from hockey practice straight to basketball practice or go from a hockey game straight to basketball game. And it just, and I told you I played lacrosse and football, basketball, baseball, soccer, I mean, you name it, both of us played it all. And I think what that did was it gave us great understanding of, of leverage. It gave us great understandings of angles um, and uh, and it just got us competing in so many different ways. 
so mentally, it was it, every game became a chess game. Um, but to have that guy kind of go through this football life before me and for him to have success within it um, gave me all the confidence I needed to, to know that I belong. And, uh, and I owe a lot of my a lot of my success to that guy. You know what? It's, it's funny that you say that because my brother came before me. He's three years older than I am. And I remember when he went to college, I was like, well, hell, he went to college. I could go to college. And when he got to the NFL, I'm like, well, hell, I could beat him in the backyard. I should be able to go to the NFL, too. That was that was my thinking. It, it never dawned on me like uh, the NFL is really tough to get to. And, and a lot of guys don't make it. I'm like, well, hell, he there. He lived in the same house with me. What makes him so he ate the same food that I ate? Uh-huh. We went to sleep pretty much at the same time. So I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to the NFL. Is that, was that your think, thought process also? Without a doubt. The, the, the one thing it was for me was why wasn't I having the type of success that he's having? Right. So one, and that didn't come around until college because I had, I had probably a little bit more success. I actually had college offers to play basketball, to play uh, football. My brother was a walk-on at the University of Cincinnati. When he went to the University of Cincinnati, I asked him, I'm like, why would you go there out of all the places? And and for him, it was the coaching staff and everything uh, aligned for him. And I just followed my footsteps, gave my parents one way to go. And I didn't have success in college. I, I just thought I was, everything was fun for me. I was, I, was the, I was the fun guy. I was the, let's go out here and enjoy our time out here, practice, have a few laughs, make a few jokes. Um, where my brother, he, he was like, the switch turned on. Everything just turned into business for him, and and it was and it was a strategical business approach, even in the college level. And and I didn't really pick up on that until I moved to the tight end position, and right. I really got in his brain on how he was thinking. Right. Uh, what that did was it was almost like, well, now we're playing chess, and that was a game that we played growing up, almost every single day at the dinner table. You know, just right. randomly just throw the chessboard out there and let's go, let's let's compete. Right. Um, and it was just, I mean, to understand that, to see it in person, to know that he's having success and that's my, that's blood. That's, I, I know our athleticism, you know, mirrors each other. Yes. I know I can have success. I just have to channel my mind differently to, to be able to have the success that he's having or the success that I want. Did, how, how, how old were you when you outgrew him? I was probably a sophomore in high school. I might have been a freshman. I might have just I think, I, 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 yeah, I jumped on him uh, my eighth grade to, to to freshman year. I was about five, ten, five, eleven in eighth grade, and then my ninth grade year, freshman year of high school, I was six four. Just a tall, lanky, didn't know what to do with it. All I could do is long snap and try and get down the field and tackle somebody. <laughs> And that's funny that you say that because I really don't think I outgrew my brother until I was probably like a junior, senior. Because my freshman year, I was 5'5", 132. And then by the time I became a senior, I was like, you know, 180 pounds. But you, this number, tell the story how you chose the number 87. 87. So I have a lot of pride of, uh, of where I came from and, and the people that have helped me out along the way because I know – I know my silly self needed some help. I needed some guidance. <laughs> I needed somebody to, to slap me upside the head and tell me which way to go in life. Just because I always chose the fun route over the, the what was needed. And um, my brother has always been that for me. You know, he's always been the, the one that, you know, like I said earlier, kind of walked walked this, this life before I was able to even get into it. 
Right. And I took so much, so much pride in, in seeing him have success that I wanted to have that same success or I wanted yeah. to, to have success for this family. And, um, and it all started back in uh, 1987 in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, when my brother was born. I, I had like three or four different numbers that the Chiefs would told me I could grab, and 87 was one of them. It was the only one that really made sense for me was to, was to you know, show some love to the, to the guy. And, and, and I don't think I would be here without him, uh, knowing that, you know, this has definitely been a, a fun journey, man. So I was, I was just showing a little love to my brother. It's, that's unbelievable because that was the same thing that happened to me. To have somebody that's already walked the path, that's already there where you're trying to get to, to tell you what you need to do, how to go about it. And once you get there, things you need to do is invaluable. But when I, I want to go through some, some, some all-time brothers. Okay, we got the Watts. Uh-huh. We got the, the Barbers, Ron and Tiki. Uh-huh. We got Bruce Matthews. We also got the son... Clay the third, we got Peyton and Eli, we got the Kelseys, and we yours truly, last but not least, pulling up the rear, the Sharps, Sterling and Shannon. Oh, yeah. Where, where, when it's all said and done, where are we going to put the Kelseys on the all-time brothers list, NFL brothers list? I'm going to have to start throwing, I'm going to have to just put on an Excel sheet of, of what everybody's accomplished. I'm going to have to see what it, see what it is, man. Um, you know, after that, we have to turn on the tape. You know what I mean? The tape don't lie. The eye in the sky ain't gonna lie. It's gonna Baby, tell you the truth. Great, Kev, Kev, it's gonna be hard to catch the manic man. God dang, that guy done came with five MVPs <laughs> and six. <laughs> plays, and, they, and they did it at all three levels: high school, college, and yeah, man. man. You, um, I would put us up there though, man. I, I think I think our journey, our our road, um, and and the success we've had at the time that we've been in the league, man. Um, you can't you can't not say that that both of us were dominant players when we played, man. And uh, you know that's something that uh, pridefully you can hang your hat on, as you know, man. Yeah, it's it's an unbelievable feeling. I remember the first time my brother and I made the Pro Bowls together. Uh, we made first team All Pro together. Man, it was that's a that that that's a, that's an unbelievable feeling. There's there's nothing like that feeling. And pe- and, and unless and, you know it's you know people like what well, you know, it's re- but you don't get it. There've been a lot of brothers. And, you know, when you make the, the all-pro team, that's just not one conference. That's for the entire league. And to have you, like, man, to go to the pro, although you're not going to have it this year, to go to the Pro Bowl and take that picture standing on the field with your brother and knowing where you came from, and here you are here, man, that's a great feeling. That's a great feeling, Trav. You got it. And, and, and obviously everyone always likes to say the statistics uh, of youth football and the, oh, the one of a million you got to be one of a million in high school and then one of 100,000 in college and this and that. But for two guys to be able to come from the same place, the same household, and be able to have this this much success uh, in this game, man, it's definitely special. And uh, like I said, man, I hang my hat on that one right there. So football, you said, I remember you telling the story earlier. You played a lot of sports. You played lacrosse. You played hockey. hockey you played basketball. You played football. Once you say you probably got to the 10th or 11th grade, you was like, football is, is my passion. Football is the route I'm... So did you stop those other sports or did you just dedicate more to football? To be honest, to be honest, it was uh, my sophomore, junior year of college where I oh, really college. to take football serious because I, okay. I went to the University of Cincinnati to play both sports. I okay. the, the reason why I, I even committed to the university was um, I went down to, to Cincinnati for a five-star basketball camp. And my brother was in the middle of spring ball. So I'm at, I'm at the basketball camp and 
Um, I'm talking to everybody. They're thinking that oh, we, we were thinking about offering you a basketball scholarship. And uh, I stayed the weekend with my brother just to hang out with my brother. I hadn't seen him in a while. And um, I ran into uh, Brian Kelly, the, the coach of Notre Dame, who at the time was the head ball coach over at uh, Cincinnati. He looked at me, sized me up real quick, and was like, well, do you, you play football? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm a quarterback. You know, I'm, I'm over here thinking, oh, <laughs> he's over here interested in me. I'm lucky, I'm lucky in my eyes. So he, uh, he comes over. I hand him a, film, uh, I hand him a CD, a DVD uh, of my highlights. And um, by the end of the weekend, I had a dual scholarship, uh, a football, basketball scholarship from the University of Cincinnati. So I actually went down there to play both sports. Um, but it, 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 the basketball, like I said, the handles, it just didn't, it didn't work out for me. So I ended up making the transition pretty smooth. Did, did you know that, did you think you were going to play quarterback in Cincinnati or did he tell you you were going to move to a different position? He told me he was going to give me the opportunity to play QB. And I remember it like it was yesterday, man. I remember going out there the first day uh, of training camp, the, right before the season started, uh, my sophomore year, my, my redshirt freshman year, my second year in the league, I mean, my, my or college. My, my redshirt year, I didn't do anything but just sit around. That's when I told you I kind of gained that good weight. Uh, <laughs> that, that um, but I came in my, my second year, and um, the first day he took me he took me away from all the other players, and Coach Kelly was just sitting there working with my drop, my three-step drop, the one step out of the gun, uh, little things asking me if I knew the plays here and there, if I knew how to read coverages. And um, I felt like I gave him all the right answers, and he gave me an opportunity to play quarterback. He actually put me in at a wildcat position and, and, and had a few different plays off of it, but knew that I wasn't ready for, mentally to be able to take over this entire offense. I just, I was too mature. But he could put me in there and I could run a little something and, uh, and do some stuff off of instincts. But I definitely went down there with the intentions of playing both, both sports and being a quarterback. And uh, basketball never happened. And uh, football ended up, I slowly transitioned into the tight end room uh, where I, I, I found out that I, I definitely belonged. <laughs> So, so how, how nice was your, your game in high school, your quarterback game in high school? Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I, was a, I was a pretty selfish kid in high school, man. I was, I was somebody I was out there just trying to sling it and get the girls and, and uh, <laughs> have, some fun, have some fun out there on the field with the guys. Um, I always felt that, you know, I could get five yards. So a hitch, uh, a hitch was out of my mind. I'm not throwing a hitch, man. <laughs> I could get five yards on the ground. I was, I was much more comfortable with the ball in my hands and, and running it. The coaches uh, hated me for it, but at the same time, uh, like I said, I was just a little immature and um, wasn't ready for it. But I had I had some success. Man, I'm looking at Ohio. You look at the NBA players, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Oakley, Ron Harper, C.J. McCollum, John Havlicek, Nate Thurman, Terry Rozier, Earl Borkins. And then you look at your, your NFL players, Charles Wilson, Roethlisberger, Starback, Chris Carter, James Harrison, Luke Keekley, Le'Veon, Pave, Jack Lambert, bruh. The whole age, baby. You know, like, when it's all said and done, when they start mentioning, like, NFL and Ohio, Travis Kelsey's going to be on this list. And so is Jason Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, bruh. Y'all got a nice little, little setup here. Oh, uh, man, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely prideful. You know what I mean? Let alone being from the Midwest. I feel like a lot of Midwest cities have that, have that blue-collar prideful mentality of where they come from. Uh, growing up in a sports town like Cleveland and just a sports state like Ohio, uh, right. how, much, how much pride they have in football alone. Uh, yep. my, my father, my grandfather played football. My uncle played football. Uncle, un, uncle ended up playing at Purdue. Um, 
knowing all of that, knowing what was in my bloodline and, and, and knowing what, where I came from and the history and the tradition and the prestige, um, it just fuels you mentally to, to want to go out there and have success. And, and with that, I mean, you just try and find ways uh, to, to make yourself better and, and, and to go out there and find wins, man. But uh, I'm definitely pride, prideful and, uh, and proud to be from Northeast Ohio, man. You mentioned about how playing with your brother at the University of Cincinnati and he possibly saved your career. You had gotten into some trouble. I think if I'm not mistaken, he had already gone. You had gotten kicked off the team and he comes back and he asked the coach to put you back on the team. And then your senior year, you catch 45 passes, 722 yards, eight touchdowns, first team all Big East. But the previous two seasons, you had two touchdowns, 153 yards. Why were you able to take off your senior year? What 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 click? What 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 was different? Like I so so the process the, the timeline of events was my my sophomore year I had the wildcat my second year in college I had the wildcat which was my ended up being my retro freshman year um, and then that next year I got kicked off the team mm -hmm. and uh, when I when I got kicked off the team that year was my brother's senior year and he I mean okay. the entire off season he was begging the coaches to give me another chance and um, set. Uh, a list of things that I had to accomplish to be able to um, reap the benefit of playing football again at the University of Cincinnati uh, or appreciate the, the opportunity of playing football again at the University of Cincinnati. And um, I'm forever thankful for that conversation. I mean, it took a lot of a lot of guts for him to be able to go in there and put his name on the line uh, for myself, uh, knowing that, you know, I threw this scholarship away and down the drain like it didn't mean nothing to me. And, um, and it was, it was a very, it was, it was a moment where I had to grow up. I had to grow up and become, uh, a man or a, a man of, of my own mistakes. So, uh, because up to that point, it was always, oh yeah, I could get away with this. I could get away with that. Well, mm -hmm. like my father says, the bullshit always catches up. Excuse my language, but bullshit always going to catch up. If you're out here doing the wrong things, it's going to catch up to you. Just because right. that's just not how you live. And I, I'm all, I, like I said, I'm always here for the fun. So I, I'm a very passionate guy and I want to do the right things. Fun just sometimes overrode that as, at a young age. And uh, to have him put his, his name on the line for me and, and to give the coaches enough, you know, confidence that I was going to be able to be that guy for them. Uh, I, I was able to, you know, step into a locker room, be a leader. Um, it still took you know, a process and a group of men to help me and guide me in the right direction. I'm just thankful for everybody at the University of Cincinnati that not, not only gave me that chance, but guided me in the right direction of my brothers at the forefront. Man. It's funny because Andy Reid drafted your brother at Philly. Mm -hmm. He gets terminated. He goes to Kansas City. He turns and drafted and draft you. Now, there's a story. I don't know how true it is. You can confirm or deny this. That after Andy talked to you, he asked to speak to your brother and asked, "Is he gonna mess this up?" That's <laughs> the truth, man. It's the God honest truth, man. I, when I tell you, I had never been more excited. It was it was like a roller coaster of a call, and all and it all happened within like fifteen seconds. I get the call; it's a Missouri number. I'm thinking I'm going to St. Louis. Shout out to Jeff Fisher and everybody over there, but I did not want to go to St. Louis. At the time. <laughs> the did not have the recipe for success. And, uh, and, and actually, what I didn't know is that the Chiefs didn't have that recipe for success either. They actually had a right. worship, which was 2-14 and 14 the year before. So Andy Reid comes in, uh, drafts me with his second pick, and, uh, and I, I answer the phone thinking it's, it's going to be St. Louis. 
he answers the phone and, hey, how you doing? Is this Travis? I say, yes. He said, this is Andy Reid with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm talking about my – woo! Let's go, baby. I'm ready to rock and roll. You know what I mean? I got one of the greatest coaches to ever do this. I'm ready to go, man. And right. he immediately takes it right back to the floor. Listen, man, this is this is serious. This is no no goofing around. There's a, a whole lot of words that I would rather not repeat. He basically said, do not screw this up. Right. This is a serious opportunity, and uh, he was asking me if I was going to mess it up, and they said, all right, put your brother on the phone. And I was like, how did he know my brother was right here? I didn't even get <laughs> that. He already knows. So, and sure enough, you just see my brother get on the phone. I'm staring at my brother like, what are you going to say? You know what I mean? They're like, oh, wait, I hope he doesn't say anything bad. And he's just like, yeah, nope, nope, I got you. I got you. And it was almost like he was asking my brother to make sure that, that I knew what I was getting myself into. Right. And it reiterated, and uh, at the at the end of the day, I think it was something he was he was just telling him like, I need you to make sure that this dude does not screw this up because I will kick both your ass. The the year you were drafted, Tyler Eifert went in the first round, the twenty first pick to Cincinnati. Zach Ertz went second, thirty fifth pick to Philly. Gavin Escobar, forty seven to the Cowboy. Vance McDonald, second round, fifty fifth pick to the San Francisco 49ers. What's going through your mind? You're like, I'm better than all them cats. And I'm going to show you. I just, it just, because that's how it was. Trav, all the receivers that went before me, I'm like, because I went to the bowl games. I don't know if you, but I went to the blue gray game, went to the East West Shrine game. I'm watching these guys. And I remember calling my brother, I said, man, I'm better than all these cats. And I see them going off the board before me. I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. What did I miss? Man, I'll tell you what. You have to have that mentality. You have to have that confidence within yourself to know that you, can go out there and have success no matter where you are, no matter who's in front of you. And, uh, and, and that's just, that's just the, the competitive mind state that I've, that I've always had. Um, but what it really did was it made me dislike the guys that, that, that were taken in front of me. I mean, Zach, great guy, unbelievable guy. We've ended up becoming good friends over the years. Uh, Tyler Eifert, the exact same way. Uh, but it, what it, it made me do was it made me, you know, gain this competitiveness to, to, every single day uh, kind of, I don't know, mentally be crazy enough to, to outperform somebody that you don't even know what they're doing. Right. So every single day I told myself I'm going to work harder than every tight end in, the, in, this, in this league. I didn't know what Gronk was doing. I didn't know what Ertz was doing. I didn't know what anybody else was doing. All I could do was control myself and my process and what I was doing and, uh, and have confidence that I was going to keep getting better in that. And, um, Man, throughout the years, it's been awesome to know all those guys. Vance McDonald, another guy that I, I absolutely love and have a, a tremendous respect for. Gavin Escobar ended up coming and playing for the Chiefs for a little bit. Um, I, I, what it did for me was initially start the, the competitive edge to be the greatest. At, 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 at least try to be the greatest me. And, uh, and that's where it started, man. What was the first thing you purchased with some of the money from your rookie contract? I spent it all, Shannon. <laughs> I, was, I should have been on the, the 30 for 30 broke the way I uh, all the young guys in the league, all the guys that have the opportunity to, 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 you know, get that big first check in from the NFL, save it, man. Find a financial advisor that you trust that, that that's going to do right with your money. Because um, I was searching around for card deals after my first year trying to, you know, just pay rent. Supplement uh, your income. 
Exactly. No. So the, one of the first things that I bought was uh, I'm, I'm a big sneaker fan. So I, and, and the Marty McFly's man, the Back to the Future and the Nike Air Mags were uh, were the the first purchase of kicks that I got. I knew I wanted them ever since I saw them self tie themselves uh, on on McFly's feet. And then uh, on top of that, I, I always wanted a Roly man. So I went out and got myself a Roly uh, from a from a Kansas City jewelry shop man. You got to get the Roly. When I was walking, I was walking in this empty apartment with some Marty McFly's on and a Rolex, man. I felt like I was the coolest guy in the world, man. <laughs> man, how difficult was the transition? Because what I try to tell people about, okay, look, when you're in college, you're basically playing for room and books. You got study hall. When you go to the NFL, it's a job. You're playing for mortgages. You're playing for kids' future and two college tuition. It's a whole different ball game. Ain't nobody gonna say go to study hall. Ain't nobody waking your butt up to say go to class. You gotta be a professional, man. And that and that's why I was saying you gotta find that that routine of success. What is your routine? In college, uh for me, it was the coaches had workouts early at 8 a.m. We had class from nine to noon, and then we had practice at one. That is a structured routine. Yes to give you success that what you're doing in the weight room is is a structured routine for you to get bigger and stronger so you can have that success well in the league you don't take you don't necessarily have that and, and, and you need you need to be a professional and, uh, and 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 like i was saying you have to own your craft you have to own who you are and uh that has grown so much throughout my career my my first couple years it was just let me just show up and go to work you know and then uh through throughout my my years, I was, I was starting to feel a little bit more soreness. So what do I do for that? How am I, how am I eating? How am I, am, am I doing certain things outside of the facility or, or does my day end as soon as that last meeting hits? Um, and it, what it did for me was it created a lifestyle that, that I could lean on and a routine that I could lean on to, to not only stay on the field, but keep having the success that I was having on the field. There's nothing like a plan and to see that plan come to fruition. There's nothing like training, the way I eat, the way I train, the way I do certain things, and to see that payoff on the field. Because once you see it, it's just like anything. Once you see a little success, and you're like, wow, that's why I'm having success. You keep that going, and you it's, it's hard to ever get away from that. Oh, yeah. And, and what it does is it just fuels you to be able to nitpick it. Now it's everything's detailed. Now, now it's how many carbs am I taking in? How many? Yep. How many oh, you want to put a tracker in my pads? How many? What, what? How many miles am I running? So I can know what type of recovery that I need, how much sleep I need, uh, the, in terms of hydration. It, it, you can start to nitpick it to the point to to really see. It becomes the, an obsession. Exactly, you get obsessed with the process. <laughs> and that's where everybody talks about enjoy the process, enjoy the journey. That's the journey right there. Seeing, yep. seeing your your scheduled events turn into success and and and, and just you know thrive in that. Know that know that you can be accountable for the guys next to you by doing this. Man. How much time do you think you put into training, uh, your nutrition, your physio, things of that? How much time do you think you put in the off season, and how much time do you think you do put in during the course of a week? Man, oh man, when I tell you, sheesh, that's it. It's at least in the off season, at least two hours, two hours out of the five days. So Monday through Friday, you're going two hours every single day of at least spending time on, on muscle and body development. So whether that's you want to take that to, to the skill aspect or you want to mentally get after it 
uh, depending on, you know, whether it's a recovery day or whatnot, taking the, that much time out of a day to just hone in and put complete focus on your craft and, uh, and on your body uh, can do wonders for you. And on top of that, throughout the week, I mean, I couldn't tell you how much I actually, because I'm a big visual guy. I, I like to visualize. I like to fantasize about making plays out on the football field. So I'm mm -hmm. never in a moment on the football field where I haven't thought about some type of way to instinctually have success. Because that's what that's the that's the biggest thing from going from my rookie year to my third, fourth, fifth year in the league is I understood more of what was going on around me. Right. So I was able to play faster. My my mind wasn't tricking my feet up. So being able to to put that into play with the athleticism that you train for all season long or all off season, um, it's it's it, it's just it's needed. It's so much needed. You hear about all these guys putting in a half a million to a million dollars and just recovering to get that blood flow circulating and to and to get these muscles loosened up. I mean, it's not only is it injury prevention, which keep, which is keeping you on the field or on the court. But it's also making you that much more efficient when you are out there. Right. And, and you can't say enough about what it means to recover in terms of rehab and, and prehab. Um, and uh, I've taken it to a whole other level these past couple of years, man, and it's really paying off for me. What was that first Pro Bowl experience like? To get that call and says, Travis Kelsey, you've been selected to the Pro Bowl. What was that feeling like? I tell you is the coolest because I, I had just went to the year before I had just went to Scottsdale, Arizona when uh, the, the Pro Bowl and Super Bowl was in Scottsdale or in Arizona, and uh, and I watched my brother playing his first Pro Bowl, and I, and I saw my family's excitement during the game I had on his practice jersey, and I was I was out there being a fanboy all over again, and to be able to see my family's excitement. That I was out there, that, that that my brother was out there with all the stars, all the guys that are dancing in the end zone, all the guys that you know the names, the the top names in the National Football League, um, to see the smiles on their face, to you know, oh there he goes, there he goes. That's that's everything. That's everything yeah. I've ever needed in life to be able to give give me motivation, um, because making my parents proud of of who I am has, has always been the number one goal for me. Um, knowing how how fortunate I was as a kid and how much they gave me. Uh, as a kid, man, and um, that that first Pro Bowl in Hawaii, man, I, I tell you, is is like nothing else, man. I, not only was it my first Pro Bowl, but I got to sign my first extension uh, in in Hawaii on that day, right? Uh, on that week, and man, it was um, my family was out there with me, and we had a few uh, few my ties, my ties there. Seeing some waves come in, it was a beautiful scene, man. First, hey rookie, you got to buy the my ties, bro. I know they hit you a real. I, hopefully, when you went to Y, they didn't get you. Hey, Trav, what's your room number? You give oh. them the room number, and you, you get that bill. They're like, man, they done got me. Listen, listen, it was my first time. I was ready for it all, man. I was ready to take the hit, man. I'll tell you, I'll pay my dues, man. Last year, you, had, you guys had a miraculous run because I, no one had ever done this, what you guys did, to fall behind by double digits and then turn around and win every game by double digits on your way to the Super Bowl. So let's start first with the Houston Texans. You fall behind 24 nothing. What's going through your mind on the sidelines when you when they score that kick that field goal to go up 20 24 to nothing? What's going through your mind? Well, the first thing that was going through our mind was initially frustration. Right. You start to ask yourself why why is this happening? Why is this happening? Like, oh man, it must be something 
out of our control. Like, they, they, you know what I mean? Like something like the football guys just got it against us, man. We did something. We didn't, we ain't living right or something. <laughs> uh, and then you, and then you, you face reality. Coaches come together. We come together as a collective group and everything we were doing was self-inflicted. Right. It penalties. It was, it was miss, missed assignments. It was drop, drop passes. Exactly. It was stuff that we could control. And uh, once we found out and, and kind of got regrouped by Pat, by Coach Eric Bieniemy, everybody kind of just locked in. And from there, we showed our personalities. Coach Reed dialed up the right stuff for us to be able to march down the field uh, in an unstoppable performance by, by Patrick Mahomes and what he did to surge us back into, into that game and then just take us into a blowout, man. The next game, your Tennessee Titans, they were the hottest team in the playoffs. They had gone on the road, beating the New England Patriots, and for all intents and purposes, broken up the dynasty. They go to Baltimore and beat the unanimous MVP. So they're coming in red hot. They got Derrick Henry, who's running over everybody. You fall behind 10-0, and you're like, here we go again. I'll tell you what, it was a little bit different of a feeling. Um, I honestly never never felt frustrated in the Tennessee game. I was never there was never a, a down moment in the Tennessee game. I always had confidence that we were just right there. You know, we might not have been in the lead, but I still felt like, you know, we had a good grasp of the position that we were in. Right. And all it took was a couple plays right before half. Uh, Pat went out there and had his famous, you know, hezzy he move on the line. <laughs> <laughs> hit this unathletic spin on somebody and just find his way into the end zone. Um, he had that moment, and then the momentum just kind of just takes over. And, and, and it's all about the greatness that 1-5 is and just following his lead, man, because in those moments, uh, you, need, you need your quarterback to be great. Now you're on the biggest stage. You can't ask for anything more than this. You're here. A couple of years earlier, you witnessed your brother go to the Super Bowl. They win it. And you're like, we're here. And you're down 10, start to four. What's going through your mind? I, I'm not going to lie. That's when it, it, it did get a little frustrating. You know, you go, you go into the fourth and, you know, you just can't get it going, whether it's the, the angle in which guys are coming out of routes or, you know, it's, uh, it's just minimal stuff that we just we haven't been hitting on, whether it's a slant, a flat route, little stuff like that, uh, getting one extra guy blocked in the, in the run game. Um, it started to get just a little bit frustrating, and, and you started to see a, a lot of uh, a lot of your hopes and a lot of your dreams start to slip out of your grasp. Um, and uh, all I can say is that you know the leaders and the and the and the coaches in this locker room, um, when adversity hits, it's almost as if we we turn we flip a switch, and uh, and it, and it stayed true ever since you know those first couple playoff games. And it's really, it, I think it's, it, it dates back to the, the Patriots AFC championship game the year before. Yes. Where we know we have that capability to turn this thing on, lock in and play our best football when needed. You know what I mean? Tom Brady got us that day. He was a, he had the ball the last time in the, he was the one that had the ball in OT and, and scored his touchdown. He got us that day, but we knew that we belonged. You know, and, and, and what that did for us is it mentally we had this switch to where no matter what point in time it is, no matter how much doubt you got, it's time to go. We need to lock in and be ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I mean, we just have great leadership. It starts up top and just trickles down from Coach Andy Reid all the way down to the offensive and defensive coaches to the, the offensive and defensive captains. And um, 
and it's a it's definitely a, a pleasure to be in, and, and it's something something special to be a part of. Clock goes down to zero. Super Bowl's over. Confetti starts to fall down on the field. What's going through Kelsey's mind? Wee, uh, man, I can still picture it because the, the, I don't know if you've been down to Miami's new new stadium, man, but this got the perfect opening to make you feel like you're you're in heaven, man, when that confetti's flying down. I just looked up. I tapped Coach Bienemy like, man, look at this. It looks like stars were flying out of the sky, man. It was just uh, to reach the mountaintop the way we did uh, together. You know, it, it, you can you can say it was one guy because Pat Mahomes played his tail off the entire playoffs and, and led us to all those victories. But we did it as a as a collective group, and he'll even tell you that, man. And it was just it was so much fun, and I cherish those memories uh, with every single one of those guys on the team, man. It had been fifty years since you guys had won the Super Bowl. How special was it to win for Kansas City, and what was it like going to that parade and seeing all that red? And all those fans, like we brought this, we brought this Lombardi back to Kansas City. You want to talk? I mean, you know, you know it just like uh, everybody else over there in Bronco Country. Kansas City fans are going to show up, man. Yes, they're going to get loud and they're going to give give you all the passion that they got. And uh, I'm so fortunate to to not only land in this organization, but to be here in this city. I think it embodies a lot of uh, the values that I have uh, in life, which is very prideful where I come from. Um, very blue collar. Work your tail off for for what you uh, what you work your tail off for what you want in this world. And um, and Kansas City is every bit of that, man. And I uh, I would I'm just you know I'm still prideful to you know keep bringing uh, the success and the rings back to Kansas City, knowing that uh, they put their all every single Sunday that we go out there, man. What do you think has been the most difficult part about repeating? Patience, getting through the season to, to get to, to where we are now. Um, sometimes you, uh, I, I feel like coming into it, all you can think about is, is, is the playoffs all over again. All right, yeah, we're going we're gonna to make the playoffs. Mentally, you, you say that to yourself. We're going to make the playoffs. We have a great group. We got Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the National Football League, leading it. We're going we're gonna to make the playoffs. Mentally, being able to lock in every single week so that dream, that, 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 situation happens that's been the hardest thing because you want it to fast forward man you do you want you want all the all these games to to take care of themselves you 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 handle business in the division you handle business to, to get the number one seed but you really want to get back to this point right here right the, the playoffs to be able to go through that journey that you know this is the last dance it's it's either win or go home right that's been probably the most difficult difficult part and, uh, and and we're here now. So so now that now that we got all of that over with, I can just go out here and really play for the for for another Super Bowl, man. And uh, and well, I'm, I'm a week I'm a week early. <laughs> we still got to go out here and take care of the charges. But it's uh, I was that would definitely say just being patient and um, not letting complacency set in uh, while while we're kind of you know gearing up for the playoffs. And that's what, what my question was: How have you been able to avoid complacency? I think leadership, man. I, 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 I would say, you know, call me silly, but I think leadership uh, was what they had in Seattle when they when they went back to back. Leadership is what they have in in New England for all those years. Um, 
Kansas City, we have great leaders. We have guys that it matters when when we come into the building to to have the accountability to do our job for the guy next to us. And when you have guys like that every single day that love to come in to work, love what they do, enjoy the process of getting better at football, and enjoy the competitiveness, and, and, and don't get complacent with that. Um, that's that's special. And when you know you have that, it just gears it up. It turns it up even more. Like you said, you get obsessed with it. It kind of loses out of you every single day you wake up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's contagious. I think the biggest thing for us is that going back to back, I remember Mike told us to start when we were starting the uh, – we won in 97, beat the Packers, and then we're coming back to try to repeat. And I remember Mike, in his very first meeting, he told us there have been a lot of teams that's won one in a row. He said, if you want to be special, repeat. And, and he said, we're going to take it one week at a time. And what we did, the way we approached it, Travis, that he would just put the game up that we were playing that week. We didn't know who the next game was, and then the next week, and then the next week. And then once we got there, you know, we ended the season 14 and two, and it was like, okay. Let's go win the Super Bowl. And it was about, we didn't care about who got the credit because there's going to be enough of the cake to go around that everybody's going to get a piece. Now, clearly, your, your piece is not going to be as big as, 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 as Mahomes or it's not going to be the guys that are going to be as big as yours or Tyreek or some of the other guys, but you'll get a piece. You'll get a slice of the cake as long as you play your part. Everybody has a part, whether it's special teams, whether it's offense, defense, the holder, everybody has a role to play. Nobody role is more important. Everybody role can up in this card. And so that's the way we approached it. And I'm talking to you and it sounds like, man, I've never had this conversation with him before. And he's talking like the very things that we said as a team is that let's handle business game to game. Let's get out of this season healthy. Now let's go win another Super Bowl. Without a doubt. And that, that's the makeup of, of a championship team is when you have the guys in place you know, that understand their role, that, that understand their their success within this 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 game. Um, it just makes everything go that much smoother. And I was saying in terms of leadership, what leadership is, is Coach Reed does an unbelievable job of trying to get everybody involved. He tries to make sure that everybody gets a piece of that pie on the offensive side. Yeah. And, and what that does is it helps everybody else out. And when you have to cover all five, you know, skill players out, on, out there on the field, that makes it. That makes my job easier when Tyreek takes two guys, and I know I, I'm I'm singled up. Or right. if Tyreek are both getting doubled, a guy like Sammy Watkins or Miko Hardman or Demarcus Robinson are singled up, or we got you know Le'Veon Bell on a on a on a linebacker. You know these mismatches start to start to become more of an issue for defenses when you try to you know alter your defense towards one guy. And uh, Coach Reed understands that. He understands what defenses are going to try and do. And uh, it just makes this 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 machine, this offensive machine, just that much better. But like like we said, man, it just goes to the leadership that you got in that building and in that locker room to make sure that everybody's doing their job and uh, and and you know, not only that, but excited about doing their job. Yeah, I think it does. I think it's it does a it does a great uh, service. I think Andy does a great job, and Patrick does a great job of guys on the field don't always feel like they're decoys. Because at any given moment, as you mentioned, Robinson, he caught the game winner last week. It might be him. It might be Hardman. It might be Sammy. You know you and Tyreek, you guys are going to get your targets. But it's these other guys that sometimes they don't get a catch in a game. That all of a sudden, but they still know they're running, they're busting their butts, knowing 
But hey, this still might be my moment. He might put it up to. So hey, I can't fall asleep on this route. Oh yeah, and that and that's the fun about playing in this offense, man. Uh, one five is gonna find you if you're open, and then we just we just try to take advantage of all those opportunities, man. We got unbelievable unbelievable men in this locker room, man. I want to ask you something that happened in week five. The Raiders beat you guys in Kansas City. Man. Did you know that they took a victory lap around Arrowhead? A couple of times, or when did you find out about it? Uh, I found out in the media, as everybody else did. And then uh, when we played them later on in the season, everybody made sure that we knew about it. Um, you know, good for them, man. Good for them. But that's what they feel like they got to do after a win. To you know, uh, we beat the we beat the top dogs. You know, do your thing, man. But uh, excuse me, I think it's uh, you know, it's did Andy take y'all? When you guys beat them in Vegas, did Andy take y'all to drive down the strip? <laughs> Andy said it himself, man. That's that's not our gig, man. We don't do that kind of stuff. We just take – we try to take care of business on the field, man, and just leave it right there. Um, I think it was, a, it was a lot of – and I've been the little brother my entire life, so I understand. I think it was a lot of uh, the little brother beating, beating, the, beating the big brother and, uh, and feeling, feeling pretty bold about it. But um, we all knew what was, what was real in that um, – I feel like at least I threw away the game for us. And uh, that loss, if, if we don't lose another one from here on out, which we don't plan on, uh, that loss is going gonna, is gonna to hold some weight for me for a long, long time. Man. Are you superstitious? Um, I, would, I would say that I'm not, but um, I do believe that there is a little bit of karma in, in, in some things that I'm doing. So, so what? I mean, do you eat the same pregame meal? Do you? Do, I mean, do you drive the same way to practice? What are some? Do you get the same room at the hotel night before a game? What are some of the things that you would do? Um, I would. I wouldn't take it to that extent. Um, because pregame meal is is the same every single time. Uh, when we're whenever we're on the road, uh, I'm always eating French toast before a game. So, I mean, I guess that's about. You know, I'm a French toast guy. French toast, oatmeal, and egg whites. No sir. <laughs> See, I need I need that sweet. I need that kick, that that delight. Um, I would but say see, I'm superstitious. I'm super, Trav. I was superstitious. Like if I went somewhere, like if I go to Kansas City, because we're gonna stay at the same hotel for the most part. Same. If I had a good game, I'm gonna stay in the same room. Okay. I got the same way at home. I'm staying in the same room. I'm driving the same way to the stadium. I'm going in front of the elevator. I'm gonna press the button, and I got to stand in front of the elevator door, which I think is gonna open first. And then once that – if I get that thing right on the first try, somebody in trouble, Trav. Trav, somebody got to get a, about to get a note hung on them. I hear you. I hear you. I, I would say I'm superstitious and I got to live right, man. If I'm not living right, I, I know I know it's going to be a rough day for me. So I just make sure that I'm living right throughout the week so I can feel comfortable going into a game. But uh, in terms of game day, having little stuff like that, for me, it was – I started off doing that when I was younger in the, in the NFL and – if one thing went wrong, it would just be like, ah, I, you know, whether it was, you know, I forgot my, my special uh, undershirt that I was going to wear out for pregame or something like that. I was just like, man, it just, you know, it makes you feel out of whack. It makes you right. feel like you got to do something else to, to make up for that. Or, you know, it just doesn't, it's not the same routine. So obviously I'm not going to have the same success. Other things start to play in my mind and I just become uh, a, a mental midget out there, man. I, I screw everything up. What? What makes Andy Reid an offensive genius? Man, I would I would say I would say this creativity, but it, has, it it goes more than just the creativity. It's um 
is the work that he puts in to understand what other defenses are doing so that he can have the creativity in 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 place if that makes sense so his his knowledge of another team's defense his understanding of what they're doing what they're trying to take away how they're leveraging guys his understanding of that allows him to be creative in the routes that we're running and allows us to have success in the routes that we're running and it sets us up for success um it puts us in positions to where it, it enhances my skill set and for an offensive guy, an offensive coach to be able to always, you know, put their, their players in a position to have that success or to have the upper hand, that's what more can you ask for as a player? That opportunity right there, man to man, to, to go up against somebody that I have had success, you know, doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get an outside leverage man. Well, let's run deep cross. I get a guy that's head up. Let's run a fake deep cross and come back out, sail out. Whatever, whatever it is that the defense is doing, Coach Reed always has an answer for it. And, uh, and as a player, man, it, as long as you know how to set these routes up and, and, and play with that leverage, play with the, 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 the scheme, man, you can, you can have all the success in the world. Where does the swag come from? We don't normally see guys like yourself as swagalicious as you guys are. I see the LV Rose. I see the Dior. I see the Greg Lord. I see all. I'm like, hold on, bro. What, what's what's really going on? Where, where did that come from? You just got to enjoy it, man. I, I personally, I think it comes from Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where I come from. Uh, every day in my high now, school. they don't dress like that in Cleveland Heights, bro. And then you got to try something today. <laughs> you will be surprised. We got we got we got two different sides of the, of the city. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we got we got we got the side that's um that's predominant. That we'll just we just have different social classes. So we right. have you know we have one social class where it's you know, two, three million dollar houses and then and, and other ones that we have, you know, apartment living. So right. it's just, you, you have both sides of the spectrum uh, where I come from. And um, and so every day was it was it was a, it was a fashion statement. And then, I mean, on top of that, you see a nice car coming by, you know, everybody knows who, who's in that car and right. what it is. And you get excited for it. But uh, it's, it's just always been in me to uh, to appreciate that kind of stuff, man, and, and have fun with it. It's never right. been something that I that I've uh, you know I've focused on or anything like that. It's just kind of always just been the natural, uh, just who I am, and it, and it just oozes out of me. A lot of people kind of throw the the word swag into uh, you know what you wear, what you drive, and all this other stuff. Man, swagger is how you wear it, how you drive it. You know, and 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 just to have that that uh, that, that that comfortable and confident you. And no matter what you're doing, man, that's the real swagger right there. Did you know, like, man, if I ever give me some cheese, bro, this I'm gonna just I'm gonna rock it. I'm gonna rock it like this. <laughs> you know it, man. You know it. I was never a, a chain down to your belly button kind of guy. You know what I mean? Right. I was, I was just keep it right here around the collar. Right. You know what I mean? This is something nice and nice and subtle, man. So are you? So you you you're more of a clothes as opposed to a jewelry guy. For the most part, yeah. Don't get me wrong. You gotta have your ice, man. Magic. Yeah, you gotta have a few pieces. You don't need ten. You don't need ten pieces. Okay, you need one or two chains, a watch. I'm good. I was telling my 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 parents. I like the subtle aspect of jewelry. You know what I mean? Just right. the, just a little bit of shine here and there. I usually got my chain tucked, but since I was at Club Shay Shay, I thought I, you know, what I mean, let her. Yeah, run. I appreciate it. I appreciate you bringing out the spark, the spark a lot. I see that. I see that. Trap. Bro, I really appreciate the time, man. I know you got a busy week coming up. 
stay healthy, get out of this game healthy. If you play, good luck along the way, brother. I'll catch you down the road, but I want to really thank you for coming on today, bro. This ain't the last time, big dog. I appreciate you. All right, well, hey, after you win the Super Bowl, come back. I'll be right back in the club, baby. Appreciate it, bro. Good looking. All right, now. Have a good one, nephew. Shannon, you the best, dog. Appreciate it. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.